In Washington, D.C., our nation's capital, you can visit our National Archives. It's the home of an extensive collection of genealogical records. People visit the archives to research their roots and to trace back their family tree. Well, in a sense, this morning's text, 1 Chronicles chapters 1 through 9, is the National Archives of Ancient Israel. Understand, in the Old Testament, a person's pedigree was vitally important. Tracing one's family tree was more than just a curiosity. Your allotment of land, your standing in the society, often even your occupation was determined by ancestry. To us, these genealogies may be a bunch of boring begots, but to the Jews, they were a national treasure. Here in 1 Chronicles chapter 4, we have a list of the sons of Judah. In the first 12 verses, we find 40 different names. And our tendency would be to just breeze through the directory, just sort of get numbed by all the names. But remember, behind each name, there was a life. These names belonged to people like you and me, people with spouses, kids, jobs, people with dreams and ambitions, people who at the time performed what seemed to be important jobs and accomplished what seemed to be monumental achievements. Some of these names may also have appeared in the Jerusalem High School yearbooks most likely to succeed, or they may have appeared in an ancient copy of Who's Who in Israel. But only one name in this list gets more than just a mention. And that is the name Jabez. And immediately we think of all these names and all of the accomplishments behind them. Why is this one man singled out for special recognition? What great deed did he do? Did he slay a giant? Did he build a temple? Did he work a miracle? And the answer, of course, is none of the above. Jabez gets extra ink. He gets special press in God's word simply because he prayed. We'll read Jabez called on the God of Israel. The first lesson from today's text is that in God's opinion, the achievements of his brothers were not nearly as noteworthy as the intent of Jabez's prayer. Look with me here in 1 Chronicles chapter 4, verse 5. At first, it's going to sound like I'm reading through the telephone listings of the tribes of Israel. Pay attention, or you'll fail to catch it. Reading through this passage is sort of like driving through a tiny town on a long trip. You know, you blink and you miss it. Well, listen closely. There's much behind these few verses. Verse 5, we'll begin. And Asher, the father of Tekoa, had two wives, Helah and Nara. Nara bore him Ahuzam, Hefer, Tamini, and Hahashtari, which always sounds like a video game to me for some reason. Please don't name your son Hahashtari, or your daughter for that matter. These were the sons of Nara. The sons of Helah were Zareth, Zohar, Ethnon, and Kaz begot Anub, Zobiba, which is a really cool name, Zobiba, 
and the families of Aharhel, the son of Haram. Better get ready, for here it comes. Here it comes. Verse 9. Now Jabez was more honorable than his brothers. And his mother called his name Jabez, saying, Because I bore him in pain. And Jabez called on the God of Israel, saying, Oh, that you would bless me indeed and enlarge my territory, that your hand would be with me and that you would keep me from evil, that I may not cause pain. So God granted him what he requested. And immediately the author goes back to his listing of the names. Chelub, the brother of Shua, begat me here, who was the father of Eshton. And on and on it goes. The first thing to notice is this Hebrew name, Jabez. It literally means he causes pain. Apparently, this was the name given to him by his mother at his birth. Now, either this lady had an abbreviated labor, or she was into the natural childbirth. But whatever it was, she was too late for the epidural. She ended up experiencing this hardcore, bite-the-bullet kind of delivery. In fact, when the child was finally born, the doctor asked her, Mom, what's the name? She must have misunderstood the question and thought, he said, how's the pain? Because the kid ended up with the name, he's causing me severe pain. Or Jabez. How would you like to be stuck with a name for a lifetime the cause of severe pain. Wow. Now, being someone who has had to deal with an unusual first name, I can relate to this whole scenario. As a matter of fact, one of my favorite songs growing up was by Johnny Cash, A Boy Named Sue. If you've forgotten the lyrics, here they are. Well, my daddy left home when I was three, and he didn't leave much to mind me, just this old guitar and an empty bottle of booze. Now, I don't blame him because he run and hid, but the meanest thing that he ever did was before he left, he went and named me Sue. Well, he must have thought it was quite a joke, and it got lots of laughs from a lot of folks. It seems I had to fight my whole life through. Some gal would giggle and I'd get red and some guy would laugh and I'd bust his head. I tell you, life ain't easy for a boy named Sue. And it ain't much easier for a boy named Sandy. Trust me. By the way, you spell Sandy with a Y, never with an I-E. But if you think Sandy is a tough handle to handle, how would you like being named He Causes Pain? Talk about a dark cloud hanging over a person's head. Jabez's name became his biggest handicap. Kids would be playing on the playground. He would walk up to join them. They'd all start snickering. Oh, here comes he causes pain. This guy's a real Jabez in the neck. Or imagine trying to get a date. What girl in her right mind is going to go out with he causes pain? Or what about a job? Who's going to hire a real pain? I mean, the only professions that Jabez would qualify for would be dentistry (laughs) or drill sergeant. I mean, this name was a hurdle. 
And yet people with handicaps, they respond in one of two ways. It either makes them bitter, sort of like the boy named Sue, or they use their handicap to make them better. They either succumb or they overcome. They either give in and lie down and capitulate to their handicap and live the rest of their lives bathing in a pool of self-pity, or they pull themselves up by the bootstraps and use their handicap as a motivation to triumph over their deficiencies and to live a fruitful life. Well, apparently, Jabez chose to overcome. He wanted his life to count. Read the reason for his prayer. His passion and purpose was, as I quote, that I may not cause pain. Rather than be a pain in the neck, Jabez sought to be a pat on the back. He wanted to be a blessing, not a burden. An encouragement, not an encroachment. And what about you? Hey, do you want to be a blessing or a burden? Someone's pain or someone's gain? Don't you want your life to really count for our Lord Jesus? When my sons were just little guys, Zach, Nick, and I, we were playing basketball one day out in the driveway. While Mac, who was a baby at the time, he slept quietly upstairs in his crib. Well, Nick, he was still a preschooler. He insisted that we go upstairs and get the baby, get baby Mac and bring him down because he would surely want to watch us play basketball. I told him, I said, no, son, let a sleeping baby sleep. But Nick wouldn't take no for an answer. Without my knowledge, he walked upstairs. He pulled the bean bag that was in the room over next to the crib. He then climbed into the crib picked up his baby brother like a sack of potatoes, threw him up on the rail of the crib, and then pushed him over the side. Little Mac fell about four feet into the beanbag. Then he picks him up and he lugs him down two flights of stairs to watch us boys play basketball. Whew. But what Nick did for Mac, the Holy Spirit wants to do for you at the beginning of this new year. For some of you have spent too long in your spiritual crib. God wants to throw you over the rail and get you into the game. God wants your life to cause a gain, not a pain. Nancy Jones died, an elderly spinster lady. And when they went to engrave her tombstone, they couldn't think of anything noteworthy to write on it. What had she done other than keep to herself and mind her own business? Well, finally, they came up with a fitting epithet. They carved, here lies the bones of Nancy Jones, for her life held no terrors. She lived an old maid, died an old maid, no hits, no runs, no errors. <laughs> Nancy lived life, but she never got into the game. She never got a hit. My, she never even made an error. She lived, but made no mark. When you're gone, don't you want people to know you played? That you contributed? I'm like Jabez. I pray daily that my life will have a positive impact on the people around me. Maybe you feel like you're a nuisance to people. That you're more in the way than a part of their lives. Perhaps you consider yourself a liability to your husband. Or maybe a stumbling block to your kids. When you're around your friends, you always feel like the fifth wheel. 
Or maybe you assume there's no place for you in your church. Hey, Jabez prayed, and God heard his heart. God granted his request. Jabez lived a life that contradicted his name. He became a joy, not a pain. And I believe God will do the same for anyone who prays his prayer. You know, when I find an answered prayer in the Bible, I perk up. Yeah. I just perk right up. For if God is willing to answer it once, I assume that he's also willing to answer it again, even in my life. And I believe this is what God wants to do with this prayer today. Praying the Jabez prayer may mark a new beginning in your life. Notice the first of his four requests. Oh, that you would bless me indeed. To bless means to show favor. In essence, Jabez is saying, God, smile when you think of me. When you share your goodness, Lord, share it with me. When you feel moved to do a kind deed or extend help, remember me. Lord, when you go shopping for presents, please put me on your shopping list. You know, in the Old Testament, it was customary for a father to bestow a blessing on each of his sons. Recall the stories of Jacob and Esau, even the parable of the prodigal son. Well, here Jabez is reminding God that he is one of God's kids. And that as a child of God, he desires his father's blessing. And don't think Jabez asked for a blessing because he thought he deserved it. Notice he doesn't say, Lord, bless me because. He asked simply, bless me indeed. You remember in, Rome, in Luke chapter 7, a Roman centurion, he, he sent the elders of the Jews to Jesus to ask him to heal his sick servant. Well, Luke 7 verse 4 reads, When they came to Jesus, they begged him earnestly saying that the one for whom he should do this was worthy, for he loves our nation and has built us a synagogue. In essence, the Jews were trying to convince Jesus that because this Roman was a good guy, a decent fellow, he's done all of this for our synagogue, that he deserved God's help. But Jesus suspected that there was more to the story. Verse 6 probes a little further. When Jesus was already not far from the house, the centurion sent friends to him, saying to him, Lord, do not trouble yourself, for I am not worthy that you should enter under my roof. I did not even think myself worthy to come to you, but just say the word, and my servant will be healed. Notice this. The Roman centurion's attitude was just the opposite of what the Jews had portrayed. Rather than expect Jesus to heal his servant because the centurion deserved a blessing, the centurion believed that Jesus would heal the Roman servant despite the fact that he didn't deserve it. I look at my life and how good God's been to me, and I have no doubt it's more in spite of me than because of me. This is the case for us all. Whenever God blesses us, it's always the result of his grace, not our goodness. Well, Jabez believed in grace, and so he asked God, would you bless me indeed? Did you know you could do that? Hey, did you know you can actually ask God to bless you? It sounds so elementary, but I'm not sure some of us get it. 
I run into believers all the time who seem afraid to ask God for a blessing. They're afraid that by doing so, it'll come across as a selfish act. Oh, they'll ask God to bless their mother and their brother and their sister and their cousin and the mailman and the clerks and even the bulldog football team. Everybody but them. I'm sure Jabez prayed for others, but first he prayed, God, bless me. And did God think that he was being selfish? Apparently not. For notice in our text, God refers to Jabez as more honorable than his brothers. We forget that God is a loving father who wants to bless his kids. Oh, my children, they knew that I was the easy touch. When it came to ice cream after dinner or pushing back bedtime, you went to dad, not mom. Mom was a door with a deadbolt. Dad was a door with greasy hinges. I could be easily swung, man. I could be easily moved. And I believe this is the case with our Father God. He is a lot softer touch than we think. He loves us. Our earnest prayers melt his heart and move his hand. Hey, find a person or a church that has been blessed by God, and they'll have one commonality. They asked. They asked. I like the first and the last words here of Jabez's request. The first word, oh, that you would bless. Oh, he groans for grace. He's desperate. He doesn't want to live without God's blessing. And then the last word, indeed. It's a word of emphasis. He's saying, when you bless me, God, don't just bless me. Lay it on thick. Give me more than I can handle. Bless me indeed. Remember James 4 verse 2. You do not have because you do not ask. When was the last time you came right out and you asked God to bless you? Jabez did, and God called him more honorable than all his brothers. God knows we can't bless others if we have nothing to give them. It's been said a dry well quenches nobody's thirst. God wants to bless you then make you a blessing. Notice Jabez's second request. He says, enlarge my territory, or literally expand my borders. Jabez is referring to his land holdings, but there are further implications here. More land may not have been the ultimate point of his prayer. In antiquity, the more property a man possessed, the larger was his sphere of influence. The more respected became his opinion, the more authority he carried. And I believe that this was what Jabez was ultimately after. Not more sand, but more sway. Not more ground, but a broader effect. Not more mud, but a greater ministry. Jabez wanted to influence his world for God, and he wanted more of the world to influence. In essence, Jabez wanted to broaden the reaching of his preaching. You know, this was our prayer when we moved our church from Stone Mountain. Our old location was on a back street. No one ever knew we existed. We had no exposure at all. When we bought this property, McDaniels Bridge Road, it didn't connect with Hewitt. It just dead end right up the street here. It didn't connect with Hewitt in the red light on 78. 
all the Killian Hill traffic was routed around us. Hey, we thought it was an upgrade, though, because we were happy that cars would just be driving down Killian Hill and they might be able to see us in a distance and know that there was a church over here. But unbeknownst to us, at the time we purchased our property, Gwinnett County was planning to run McDaniels Bridge Road, change it into a cut-through from 78 to Killian Hill. We didn't know that when we bought the property. As a matter of fact, construction started a few months after we'd relocated. Today, all northbound traffic flows right by our front door. God heard our prayer and enlarged our territory. But God enlarges us in a multitude of ways. <coughs> we all have gifts, and we have a ministry in which to employ those gifts. Every one of us <coughs> has a twofold ministry as servants in this church and as witnesses to this world. And I have to ask you, are you praying that God will broaden your borders, that he'll expand your influence, that he'll enlarge the scope of your service in 2018? Are you asking him to open up new opportunities and bring new people across your path? You should be. Many years ago, a church member asked me, said, Pastor Sandy, how does it feel now that our church has arrived? I suppose he meant it as a compliment. I'm sure he was remembering leaner times, but I got upset. Arrived, did you say? You're not seeing what I'm seeing. We still got empty seats. There are people in our community who still don't know Jesus. Hey, guys, we don't arrive until we get to heaven. Until then, we're on mission. Let's not mimic the disciples who saw the glory of Jesus on the mountaintop and wanted to pitch tents. We've been called to move mountains, not sit on mountaintops. I hope you're praying for a mountain to move in this new year. Well, Jabez, he looked out his front door and he saw plenty of unclaimed territory beyond his borders. And so he asked God to give it to him. He prayed, Lord, enlarge my territory. I don't know about you. I don't know if you've looked out your front door lately. There's plenty of unclaimed territory for Jesus Christ. And this new year, it's time we ask God, as individual Christians and as a church, to enlarge our territory. And notice Jabez's third request, that your hand would be with me. You know, throughout the scriptures, the hand of God refers to his strength and his power. 1 Peter 5, verse 6, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. Acts 11 verse 21 says of the early church, the hand of the Lord was with them and a great number believed and turned to the Lord. How we need God's hand on our lives and on our church. Jabez prayed that God's hand would rest upon his life and bring to him a supernatural empowerment. This past fall when the hurricane hit, I injured my elbow picking up downed branches in my yard. The doctor gave me a cortisone shot and diagnosed me as having tennis elbow. Picking up sticks is not as fun as playing tennis. I don't know how I got tennis elbow. The problem is it only hurts when I shake hands, which can be a real problem for a pastor. The cure is for me to stop using my, my right hand. Some of you may have noticed my pathetic lefty handshakes that I've been passing out. It's sad. I'm not that strong to start with, 
but I am a noticeably weaker person without my right hand. I need my hand back. But even more so, I need God's hand. Without God's power, we're all shaken lefty. I hate to say it, but all too commonly, Christians are far too common. There's nothing different about us, nothing exciting. There's no trace of the supernatural. Oh, that people would say of you and me what the Pharaoh of Egypt said of Joseph. Can we find such a one as this, a man in whom is the Spirit of God? Do they say that about you? All too often, Christians live in an unplugged piety, a mundane morality. There's no evidence of God's hand on our lives. <coughs> in Concord, New Hampshire, there's a street sign that reads Electric Avenue. <clears throat> but underneath it is another street sign that says no outlet. Wow, no outlet on Electric Avenue. I hope that's not true of you spiritually. If you're in Christ, you live on Electric Avenue. The main breaker has been pulled. God's Spirit lives inside us, but we need to plug in. We need to move. We, learn to, we need to have faith so that we can learn to move in the power of the Holy Spirit. Reminds me of the pastor who was working with a death row inmate. When the man's date for the electric chair arrived, the pastor didn't know what to say to him. He was kind of stumbling to find the right words. Goodbye just didn't, didn't seem to be enough. See you later just kind of sounded trite. So the pastor just blurted out the first thing that came to his mind. He was shaking hands with him when he said, more power to you. But that's what Jabez prays. He asked God for more power. He asked God for a hand. Too many of us see God's hand only when it's time for a spiritual spanking rather than when it's time for a spiritual resurgence. Some churches operate in such a manner that if God were to remove his hand, the work would continue as if nothing happened. If we're going to ask God to enlarge our borders, we need to ask him to place his hand on us, to guide us, to empower us. Jabez asked for God's favor. Now he asks for God's power. <coughs> Let me suggest one of the reasons that we're so unaccustomed to God's hand upon our lives might be because we're too busy trusting in our own hands. You know, we all like to do it ourselves, don't we? We're all do-it-yourselfers, even when it comes to spiritual things. Guys, we need to beware of pride. One Sabbath in the synagogue, Jesus healed a man with a withered hand. And in a spiritual sense, all of us have withered hands. We're all shaken lefty. We need God's hand if we're going to serve him effectively, if we're going to accomplish his purposes. This is why Jabez prayed that your hand would be with me. And then finally he says that you would keep me from evil. Notice Jabez doesn't pray, Lord, keep evil from me. God promises to protect us from the evil one. You know, we learn from the story of Job that Satan can't harm a hair on Job's head without first getting God's permission. Christians have a father filter. You have a father filter. That means that when evil does come to you, it arrives with a divine purpose. 
And attached to it comes the grace that's needed to overcome it. Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, No temptation has overtaken you except such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. But with the temptation will also make the way of escape that you may be able to bear it. Evil attacking me is not my greatest threat. The greatest danger that we face isn't evil attacking us, but evil attaching to us. Again, Jabez doesn't pray, Lord, keep evil from me. He prays, keep me from evil. Our most lethal enemy is not the evil without, it's the evil within. It's my flesh. It's my warped perspectives and the taste that I've cultivated for carnal things. My preoccupation with the temporal and the tangible. These are my greatest struggles. You know, Jesus said the gates of hell will not prevail against my church, but churches crumble every day from the sin that's within. Here's one of my favorite prayers. Dear Lord, so far today I've done all right. I haven't lost my temper. I've been been greedy, grumpy, nasty, selfish, or overindulgent. I'm thankful for that. But in a few minutes, God, I'm going to get out of bed. And from then on, I'm going to need a lot more help. Amen. Without question, our greatest threat as servants of God is not Satan itself. And our constant prayer needs to be, protect me, Lord, from myself. Or keep me from evil. And did you know you can pray such a prayer? You can. You can solicit God's help in your battle against sin. God isn't sitting at the judgment seat watching you struggle, waiting to pound the gavel and issue the verdict. The Bible teaches us that Jesus is our advocate, that he's in the trenches with us right now, obtaining for us the power we need for victory. Last year, I helped helped coach my grandsons in T-ball. had a lot of fun doing it. But I had forgotten a rule that is unique to five-year-old baseball. Each team gets a coach in the field. He's there to help the kids make the right choices in the heat of the moment. And I think that we have forgotten that we also have a coach in the field. That God isn't confined to the dugout. That his spirit is next to us. That he's not going to make the play for us necessarily. But if we involve him, he'll certainly help us make the right choices along the way. Jude 24 states, Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. God is able and willing to keep us from stumbling. This is why Jabez prayed that you would keep me from evil. And remember the outcome of Jabez's four requests. Verse 10, God granted him what he requested. Well, let's wrap it up. Do you want to be more honorable than your brothers? Do you want to be someone's pain or someone's gain? Do you want to be a blessing or a blight? Jabez lived a life that contradicted his name 
He was once labeled a pain, but because of the prayer he prayed, he ended up bringing great joy to the people around him. And this is the prayer that you and I can pray this week, both for ourselves and for our church, the Jabez prayer. Perhaps you've been living under a cloud. Nobody thought you'd accomplish much, that your life would really count for anything. For years, you've succumbed to your handicap. But today, you realize it's time for a change. You want to stop succumbing and start overcoming. What a way to begin a new year. To pray the prayer of Jabez. Oh, that you would bless me indeed. And enlarge my territory. That your hand would be with me. And that you would keep me from evil. That I may not cause pain. I believe God will grant us that request.